1: I'm ready. All oh, right, foot back. <laughs> Begins with a U. It ends with an A. Has a meal dish up there. Monday Night Raw ah! number one.
2: All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Cultaholic Classic Raw review. You see, as the other Cultaholic lads are priming themselves for Summer Slams and takeovers, we are here via the Ica Pro-powered DeLorean holding out for a hero. Somebody to guide us through what is going to be a turgid new generation era and who be we i be fake geordie radio presenter without portfolio former cultaholic heavyweight champion tom campbell i am with the bear in the big blue bar cage the head pen of cultaholic the man that does not require a pencil for such endeavors he would show future endeavors to pencils he needs a pen because he gets it right every time he is tight and shrugged himself justin henry from off of america
3: it's all downhill from here tom
2: Mate, we're on a slippery slope on this on this watch along, aren't we? <laughs> it's
3: yeah, it's 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 not gonna get any better. It really isn't. <laughs>
2: Do you know what? I love the fact that this is how we are starting the podcast. With us just going, mm. it's it's not getting any better from here.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's just a, just a reminder to um abandon hope, all ye who continue through, and those who don't wish to abandon hope, turn back now. <laughs>
2: So this is where myself and Justin Henry uh, will get together uh, to talk a little bit. If this is the first time you are here, uh, this is where Justin Henry and I uh, get together to talk a little bit about wrestling from a bygone era, i.e. the new generation era. But before we get into that, and Justin, I've not even prepped you that I'm doing this bit. Before we get into that, um, we've teamed up with Audible to offer a free audiobook for all Cultaholic listeners. Available now from Cultaholic.com forward slash Audible. You could choose from some recent titles like JR's Under the Black Hat, uh, stuff like Glenn Jacobs' Mare Kane book. The Death of WCW is one of the greatest wrestling books outside of the Titan series that I have ever read, and you can now hear it via the power of Audible. Or if you want to find out more about the world of pure Oresu, eggshells, pro wrestling in the Tokyo Dome uh, is available there now as well. Simply sign up to a free 30 day trial and make your selection. You can cancel anytime you like. There's no commitment to stick around. Even if you cancel, you still get to keep the book. Pretty cool situation. Cultaholic.com forward slash audible.
3: Please tell me death of is read by Brian. <laughs> Table of contents. Anyway, <laughs> it's read by Meltzer. Now, it's... <laughs> Copyright um... two thousand and... fourteen?
2: It's Meltzer. Two thousand
3: fourteen. The
2: ISBN code on the back. Amazing. com forward slash audible. But we're not on our own this week, are we, Justin Henry?
3: Uh, no. Here to share the pain with us is Cultaholic Discord moderator and all-around swell gal Cindy Zumowitz. <laughs>
4: Hello, I'll, I I accept that I come after the ad. All good. <laughs> Dude,
3: <laughs> there look, there is a hierarchy here. There is
2: unfortunately <laughs> the hierarchy goes me, Justin, money, mm-hmm. Sydney.
3: <laughs> although in fairness, Sid, although in fairness, Sid did do the audio read for um. Uh, which book did you do? Was it a, uh, was it The Hobbit?
4: Sure, why not? <laughs>
1: <laughs>
4: I did do an audiobook reading of Junie B. Jones, though. I, I did I did do that for first graders. It was my senior project. Oh, can we, yeah. can we buy that anywhere?
3: She it's on read, YouTube. She also read for Jose Consigler's Juiced and O.J. Simpsons, if I did it.
4: <laughs> it's on YouTube, Tom. Amazing. Not
2: on coldhogcom slash audible.
4: No, unfortunately.
2: Okay, that's fine. But uh, Hey, sign up today. You don't have to keep... So let's crack on with this week's episode of Monday Night Raw. We have been chronologically critiquing uh, every we? single episode of Monday <laughs> Night Raw. Yes, we must, Justin Henry. Uh, where and when are we for Monday Night Raw this week, Justin?
3: Well, the air date was Monday, December 5th, 1994. This was taped one week earlier at the Mid-Hudson Civic Center in in beautiful, scenic, poughkeepsie new york
2: well what we see in poughkeepsie is fans something that wwf may struggle with and there is a worrying sign of times ahead um if and this comes from the wrestling observer from dave Meltzer, who says quote i don't know if all the weekend house shows scheduled for nova scotia and new brunswick were cancelled due to a lack of advances bob versus diesel was top although bob is apparently injured but some of them were the rest of the crew, headlined by Lugovus to Tonka, were in Israel, Germany and England. So if the top guys weren't there for this show, who the flippin' heck was on the books?
3: Well, keep in mind, it's, um, it is Nova Scotia. No offence to extreme eastern Canada, but it's not really a major market.
2: <laughs> extreme eastern Canada, or as it was known before 1994, eastern eastern
3: Canada. <laughs> that's right and does before she noticed threw down the moose and declared that we we are extreme <laughs> so read John, into, good luck with that one
2: <laughs> read into what you will for uh shows being cancelled around the WWF at this point uh talking of uh wrestlers being away there is one reportedly coming in uh, from Dave Meltzer word is that Chris Candido will head into WWF after he finishes up in Smoky Mountain Wrestling which seems confirmed by Chris. him doing angles on tv
3: chris stay away do not come here <laughs> for your own good do not come here
2: run for your life chris candida
3: <laughs> don't do it skip i mean chris
2: it's also very likely uh that tammy fitch will be used as an announcer rather than his manager at this point
3: <laughs> I'm only yeah it's, it's, uh, that's a that's bit of a mixed bag when, when all that takes place
2: uh, that is still to come. Candido, and this will this will make your balk, Justin. Candido was choosing between uh, the WWF and All Japan.
3: Oh my God, we could have had Candido versus Akira Tawe.
2: We didn't get that. We got Chris Candido versus Barry Horowitz instead. So I think the universe oh, that's won. That's basically the
3: same thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sid, Horowitz won, but
2: we'll get to that. Sid, are you familiar with the work of Chris Candido? I am not. Oh. Uh, Justin Sell said on Chris Candido. Uh,
3: Chris Candido was an incredible technician from right here in New Jersey. He was the common law, boyfriend, husband, whatever. They weren't actually married but to Tammy Sitch, the eventual Sonny. They, they came in at WWF as the body Donna's in 1995, Skip and Sonny. And go figure, she was the more over one of the two because she was a beautiful blonde in a, a very tight gym outfit. Mm-hmm. She eventually went off on her... I mean, she was also very charismatic and knew how to work the crowd. She was great at that. Make no mistake, she wasn't just some random woman they found and says, "Hey, you want to get involved in wrestling?" She knew mm-hmm. the business. Mm-hmm. She absolutely, she absolutely did. And unfortunately, Candido's tenure in WBF, even though he had one tag title reign as part of the buydowns with Zip, uh, with AKA Dr. Tom Pritchard, it um it was not a very. It didn't end well in WWF for him. He left later in '96, which we'll we'll definitely get to that when it comes up. And Sonny continued to be famous for a little while longer, and then eventually she became infamous.
4: Ah, all right. So not not a super long run for Candido. Uh,
3: no, unfortunately he didn't get to show his stuff because of a stupid gimmick and B he was tucked deep in the undercard. Gotcha. His height may have had something. say his his height may have had something to do with it. He was about maybe five foot eight on you know, even on lifts. But he was a one hell of a technician and could work the crowd. It's a shame. So
2: there you go. Meanwhile, in World Championship Wrestling, it appears that Steve Austin may be out of action for a long time, as long as eight months to a year. Uh, Austin has suffered a knee injury, um, and as a result of this, he was diagnosed with torn two posterior ligaments. He's going to need major reconstructive surgery. Although at press time, we've heard he's getting a second opinion. With the recent departures of Flair and Steamboat, losing Austin absolutely kills the company, says Meltzer, as far as what is left of the possibility of having quality matches. For Austin, however, this could be a blessing in disguise. They were going nowhere with him, and now he is out, and they've got nine months to figure out a new direction for him. We'll see what (laughs) happens with Steve Austin in these nine months, shall we?
3: Well, I'll bet he comes back and rekindles the Hollywood Blondes with Pillman, and and they have a a several-year run, and then he stays in WCW, and and it remains big i'm uh, i'm sure that's what's going to happen with um stunning steve
2: exactly i'm sure it will this is uh this is a, a really crucial moment in the career of steve austin that, that gen- this injury i think changed the direction whoa, 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 of steve wow.
3: austin if i may this wasn't the injury okay. the injury happens in new japan in the spring right so this is the, that's the one this is nearly a key moment <laughs> just about but Basically, the writing is on the writing is on the wall at this point. Yeah, it's it, the, Cro- it's the crossroads so. is there, and uh, very soon the game is going to change completely. And we, will we just don't know it yet.
2: Find out more about that as we get closer to it. But uh, so that, those are just the highlights. It's a bit of a, otherwise a bit of a quiet week in the world of professional wrestling. So, with that in mind, let's throw it over to Justin Henry as uh, myself and Sydney Somewitz sit cross-legged on the story mat. And Justin Henry talks us through this week's episode of Monday Night
3: Raw. Not just any Raw, Tom, but Monday Night Raw sponsored by Tyco.
2: Oh, yes!
3: As Vince Vince informs us during the opening montage, we're all sponsored by Tyco, And no such toys as Matchbox Cars and Dr. Dreadful. Now, I know Matchbox Cars. They've been around for decades, but I have never heard of Dr. Dreadful.
2: I wasn't sure on what Dr. Dreadful is either, and the only thing I can Looking find is a board game, and, I, and but Tycho did electronic stuff, so I didn't know whether it was connected with that.
3: I just found the Dr. Dreadful zombie lab with candy and drink maker. That sounds like it might have been Tycho Electronics, doesn't it? I was 11 years old when this, came, when it, when this would have come out. I've never heard of this. It
2: sort of feels like I a was Halloween con- version of Mr. Frosty.
3: Kind of. yes. Yeah, I was I was still kind of watching the like, cartoons at this point, although I was, I was growing out of them. But I have no recollection of this whatsoever. Thankfully, we have a blessing here. Shawn Michaels is here to do commentary. Because Sean, even if he's possibly hungover, which I think he was good here, he's, he was hungover on a previous commentary appearance, we think. But Sean makes every sh- even a bad show good just by. Riffing and saying whatever's on his mind and kind of just just being Sean.
2: There's a if, couple of if you can all... this, though, I would say, where he's a bit detrimental.
3: Just a couple? Mm, just a, just a couple. <laughs> Sean was kinda of like a barometer though, when he uh if he didn't like something, he would let you know it. Mm-hmm. And he was probably right. In that sense, he kinda of spoke for the audience. Yeah,
2: but thing is, this is what I come down on JR. and Tony Schiavone for on AEW right now is that when they don't like something, you know about it just just judging by the way that they talk about it.
3: Well, I do see that point, but I would rather have that than Tom Phillips and Byron Sachs and Michael Cole speaking in catchphrases for and speaking in buzz phrases for you know, two or three hours a show. Agreed. Uh, you see, I yeah. like
2: I like it when people try and put the stuff over. Call me
3: old-fashioned.
4: <laughs>
3: well, there's putting something over, so they're selling something, and then there's being a robot. And Sean... And they're least, robots. Yes. Uh, they're human emergency breaks are what they are. Sean <laughs> <laughs> is the precise opposite of that. Perhaps too much the opposite of that. I mean, it's... It isn't quite the time where, where Sean was on commentary and, and called Sid Sampson, maybe. not not our Sid, but Sid Vicious, called him Sampson because, because he's the biggest piece of luggage in wrestling. Because you have to carry him through everything.
1: <laughs>
2: That's a good line, so that
3: is, to be fair. It, it, it's 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 pretty factual. <laughs> it's, but I mean, it's, it's not that counterproductive is what I'm saying. So Sean's here. He pushes Vince aside, takes over on the mic. This is the way it should be. I can't believe this is a WrestleMania match in 11 years. (laughs) Vince and Sean. (laughs) Would you have ever guessed?
2: That is a horrifying thought, and it didn't dawn on me until you said it just then.
3: (laughs) Both future world champions, by the way. And uh, then Sean segues into the intro for Double J, Jeff Jarrett. Our future match this week is Jeff Jarrett versus the British Bulldog, Davey Boy Smith, sadly no Bulldog promo. That would have made the show five stars as far as I'm concerned. But Jarrett's not alone this week. We have kind of an understated debut on the show, Tommy and Sid. Yep. We've got some random ass dude in sunglasses and a, and a bandana kind of um, trailing Jarrett. Vince admonishes the camera crew for... Putting some cable puller on there by mistake. They think he's just some staffer. So Vince just uh, tore Kevin Dunn a new one on the air, which he should do more often.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So, so apparently this is just some innocuous crew member. So we are led to believe. But who cares about that? Because we have the Rockets' red glare of the Bulldogs intro. My favorite I, part oh, is it not.
2: I'm annoyed that he keeps doing the Rockets' red glare. Flare
3: even. <laughs> with with the dumb shoom <laughs> on effects for the for the pyrotechnics, <laughs> Tom just hates us.
2: I just—it's because it's wrong. Like the rocket's red, whatever, isn't from anything English. It's from the it's from America. It's from America songs. Something to do with I've the UK. My
4: fireworks are cool.
2: No, but it's the way Vince says the rocket's red
3: glare. For the British bulldog.
2: For the British bulldog. It's like, it's like it would be like it would be like Brett the Hitman Hart coming out to America the Beautiful.
3: Well, his his mom's American. Yeah, but then you could, we're not don't <laughs> do play that game with me. Tom, not play that I've game with me. Hear, I have had up to here with your blatant jingoism. <laughs> <Uh-oh>.
2: <laughs> I'll have you now. I'm really good at jingoism. I can pull out those blocks and the tower doesn't fall down.
3: That's not what I've said. Is that not Jingo? Uh, no, Jingo was not its name, O.
1: <laughs>
3: so, we have. Said you're going to make it through this show?
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I lost my spot. Um. Anyway. Yes, uh, Jared has tinsel hanging off his tights, or as Vince says, tinsel hanging off the obliques. <laughs> Which may be the first time that those five words were ever said in that sequence, in that, in that precise sequence. So Jared takes control early. It's, your, it's just your basic TV match. You know how the ebbs and the flows of this stuff goes by now. Jared dominates for a bit, then Bulldog overpowers him. He's hip tosses Jared over. And then he does his own version of the Jarrett Strutt. Which looks like he's... It's like he's walking like a rooster or something. It's amazing. We need more of British Bulldog co-opting other people's taunts. So Sean starts bitching about the camera shots, but, which means he is the voice of the audience. What's this Raw Underground thing? Like, why are we cutting back and forth? It's not a movie. <laughs> And then speaking of camera shots, it's funny because Sean was complaining about it, because seconds later, Vince is talking, and the camera is basically like right on the commentary desk, and Vince is sitting right there, not his his lips not moving at all.
2: Yeah, always we'll stuff see. like that tends to tends to throw it off for me.
3: Maybe maybe we need more camera cuts in order to avoid uh, showing Vince's mug there. And that's when Vince finally realizes. This deep into the match, or maybe a few minutes in, as this unnamed crew member is basically shielding Jarrett from the fans when Jarrett gets knocked to the outside, that this guy must be in Jarrett's corner. It took him this long to put it together.
4: He walked out with him.
3: Right, but Vince thought it was just some cable puller. Just roaming the aisle way doomed to, for eternity to do crew work on this show. And that's when Vince sneaks into the line, I'm not too sure Double J has any fans. Oh, he's got him there. Well, I mean, he's right.
1: <laughs>
3: Name a Jeff Jarrett fan who's not from Tennessee. See, you can't do it. <laughs> we should take a poll. Are you a Jeff Jarrett fan? Uh,
2: that's... that's uh, good point. Tom, are you a Jeff Jarrett? Fair point, well made.
3: Bulldog hits the delayed vertical. This unnamed individual once more keeps the fans away from Jarrett. This just goes on for a little bit. There's there's a lot of spotlighting of this man and has a backstage pass sticker on his upper back. They keep cutting to him. He's not really doing much other, other than just standing there, looking, peering through his sunglasses.
2: It's a it's a good look.
3: It is. It's uh. He's he's kind of mysterious behind these shades. He makes you wonder if he's somebody um, somebody important perhaps. But it turns yes. out he's uh. Well, he will be important one day. But for right now, he's just. Should we call him a roadie?
1: Mmm. He
4: is. I the think roadie. you better call somebody. <laughs> oh, <Whoa, laughs>
3: yeah. nice. See, she's been watching old <laughs> stuff. She's learning. So, uh, Match continues on. Vince references the Santa Claus, which really dates this show, although that was a pretty good movie. Um. Eh, Jarrett hooks a sleeper. Sean St. Bulldog slept through Survivor Series. I wrote Lucky Him. <laughs> Jared Bulldogs the Bulldog leading to the obvious puns. Then Bulldog pulls out the crappiest perfect plex of all time points for effort though points for effort <laughs> and then sean has to quip that move never beats anybody Vin, Man." <laughs> <laughs> he's such an ass he really is it's still pretty funny though oh it's funny he's just an ass bulldog makes the comeback jerry tries to bail but bulldog fetches him see what i did there that's mm-hmm. <laughs> it in the true impressive moment of this match, Bulldog press them, Jarrett back in through the ropes. He goes to get back in, but he can't because somebody under the ring has his foot. It's not horn swoggle, it's dog swoggle. Because the roadie's <laughs> slid underneath, hooked the foot, Bulldog can't get in. Referee counts Bulldog out while he's standing up next to the ring. And that's your finish. Jarrett wins via count-out, and Bulldog barely seems phased by this turn of events.
2: He's not bothered. He's still, he's still concussed, isn't he, from the other week?
3: He might be. Oh, oh. oh the bloody ring! Uh, elf cooked hook me shoe.
1: Sharon, <laughs>
3: <laughs> Aussie bulldog. Well, Aussie was in this corner at Mania too. He
2: was, yeah.
1: Aussie <laughs> <British> bulldogs forever. <laughs> All aboard the crazy train. <laughs>
3: Diary of a bad promo.
2: <laughs> so I've got some bits on the roadie to to talk about.
3: Okay, well,
2: so, so uh, the fire. well, what we believe to be a roadie who is ringside right now for Jeff Jarrett. This is the debut of indeed the roadie Brian James Armstrong, who made his in-ring debut in '86, beating Kevin Sullivan in his in-ring debut. Which is a bit of a turn of events. Yeah, I know, right? He enlisted in the U.S. Marine Corps the following year, so he put his wrestling dreams on hold. Between 91 and 94, uh, he wrestled between Tours of Duty in WCW and Smoky Mountain Wrestling, but because of his wild inconsistency with wrestling, uh, nothing really became of him other than becoming a sort of a, a well-respected uh, job guy. Uh, he worked in <clears throat> Smoky Mountain as the Dark Secrets, uh, and there is an iconic match on the WWE Network, From WCW Power Hour in 94, which sees Brian James Armstrong in a losing effort to Terror Rising. It is Road Dogg versus Triple H from 1994 WCW. That is for your eyes right now on the network. Uh, Whilst WCW and Smoky Mountain only ever saw him as like an enhancement guy, as we say. (laughs) WWF saw something a little bit more after he beat Barry Hardy in a dark match in August of this particular year. And mm-hmm. uh, he was signed to a full-time deal. Now, there were plans to bring his brother in, Steve Armstrong, as a singing cowboy.
3: <laughs> well, thankfully, they kept that on, on ice and keys, and one of the other Armstrongs wanted to do it.
2: Well, that was it, because Steve Armstrong ended, didn't end up doing, obviously, that gimmick, but had said to WWF officials, hey, my brother's got a hell of a singing voice. His name's Brian. You should look him up. And that mm-hmm. is what led to Brian coming in, not taking the, the singing cowboy gimmick, sadly, uh, but instead coming in as part of uh, Jeff Jarrett's ensemble with something that may lead to singing down the line, it
3: seems. Uh, yes, it's uh, I mean, certainly out of the four Armstrong brothers, uh, Brian had the most charisma. I, I don't think anyone's going to you know, deny that. He definitely got his father's mic skills.
2: The general consensus is that he is the least talented wrestler, but the most charismatic of them all.
3: I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. Although he was fine in the ring, he wasn't—he wasn't terrible in the ring by any means. In fact, he'll have the best match at at next year's King of the Ring by a country mile. And that, although that's not saying much. Um, yeah, that match between him and Terror Rising Triple H is—it really is a trip because. Road Dog has a perm, and Hunter has hair like like freaking Conan the Barbarian. And it's just, it feels like it's, it's almost like watching South Southpaw Regional Wrestling where they're playing characters.
2: A little bit, yeah.
3: <laughs> like, Hunter shows up, hi, I'm terrorizing. And it's like, like, oh, that's a name you come up with for a, a bad bit or something. <laughs> and it turns out he was doing it for his career. Sid, what did you think of uh, Jeff Jarrett and the British Bulldog?
4: Uh, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was, well, the best on the show. I, I really did think it was a pretty good match, and I thought, uh, I, I just, I just enjoyed it, and um, I also loved uh, Sean on commentary, uh, and I loved when Vince was talking about Diesel, and every time it was like the World Wrestling Federation champion Diesel, and Sean just goes. You don't have to say it every time.
3: <laughs> oh, you're sowing the seeds for a big showdown down the line.
1: Sure
3: and, uh, and, if, and, and, if, and if anyone could sell this match, it's Sean because Diesel is going to be very hampered by the fact that he can't cut a Kevin Nash style promo as Diesel. So Sean's got to do the heavy lifting in terms of building the match in that regard. I think Tom would agree with that.
2: Very much so. Very much so.
3: Speaking of Diesel, we're coming to him in just a moment. We see Sean just hanging out at the desk with his feet up. That's how That's how I do this podcast, really. I just lay back and just throw my feet up and give half a damn. <laughs> huh. Hol- I, can, I can hear
2: it in your voice some days. <laughs>
3: well, it depends on the quality of the show. <laughs>
2: it's true.
3: <laughs> Holiday wish tour dates. And then we get the American Sports Sportscasters Association dinner. Because we need celebrity rubs more than anything.
2: But they're Vince-style celebrities is the problem. Like, the Sports yes. Casters Awards tonight, there's Vince going, oh my goodness, look at this, opened by Gerald R. Ford, the new well, to, WWF generation!
3: <laughs> well, to be fair, Gerald Ford's a former president, so that's kind of a big deal. I and know, he's, he's but al- he's an older president, surely. that's. He's, that- also, a, he's also Homer Simpson's future neighbor.
2: <laughs> I mean, that is a a more palatable thing for the new generation to fight on
3: <laughs> We see the bushwhackers there in tuxedos or licking someone who does not want to be licked. <laughs> we see doink and dink in tuxedos, and here's Diesel in the sleeveless tux, which is the yeah. best look of them all.
2: Diesel ripped the sleeves off his tux before the thing got started.
3: Well, that's, that's a classic look for a, you know, a, a heavyweight wrestler to do. But here was the kicker for me. They go to all this trouble to make Diesel look as big as possible. He's seven feet tall. You know, he's a human wrecking machine. He's bigger than everyone. And what do they do? They show footage of him standing next to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who's taller than him. Now, pardon me one moment while I Google Kareem's height. Because I know I know in wrestling we, um, we exaggerate people's heights, like Adam Cole saying he's more than five foot four. Uh Karina Dol Jabbar in his playing days was seven foot two. By this point in time he was forty seven years old, so he may have shrank a little bit. If he's seven two here, well Diesel ain't more than six nine or six ten. That might be a bit problematic.
2: Yeah, a little bit. A little that was yeah, I can see that being an issue.
3: I mean, they would never show Andre next to someone that was taller than him. They made a point never to do that.
2: No, you, hold, you have to be so careful. If you're gonna build somebody as <laughs> six foot, then you gotta make sure, like there's this like Adam Cole is built as six foot, and yeah. then there's yes. a picture of him stood next to legitimately six foot um, Zack Saber Jr. And it's like mm-hmm. mm, one of his lying <laughs> or one of you one of you is in the foreground <laughs> and the others in the background.
3: Yes, you go to uh, you go to Six Flags. There's Adam Cole sulking by the rides because he can't get on. I mean, I, I can tell us how tall he is, but, but if you're saying he's six foot and he's clearly at least five inches shorter than that, then that's a, a slight exaggeration, maybe. It's such a size-conscious business, and had Diesel stay next to freaking Kareem? <laughs> like, and Kareem's famous. He was one of the best players of the 70s and early 80s. Uh, he's taller than Diesel. Let's ignore that and move on. Here's Diesel with Mary Lou Retton. Who is four foot eight? look how tall Kevin is? They should have done that instead. Here's diesel with her villa chase from from Fantasy Island. That was tattoo i, re- I realize that that's a very obscure reference, especially for Sid here, who is maybe born twenty years after Fantasy Island was a show. Oh, you know who tattoo is.
2: All the things she said, all to the to things see. she said running through my head.
4: Oh, I know that. <laughs>
3: oh, you too. <laughs> They're a good band as well.
4: <laughs> they are.
3: Oh, <laughs> well, yes. They, they did Victoria's theme song. They did. Who, oh, you too? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. They did The Beautiful Date, which was Hunter's uh, workout song. Tattoo? <laughs> no, no. No, Fat was the guy who ran over Awesome. Urukeishi. Yes. Uh, no, Hakushi's the guy who's debuting soon. <laughs> Taz. <laughs> Taz. No, 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 no. No, Jazz was the woman who won the women's title in 2002 from Trish. From Tattoo.
4: We're in a circle.
3: Yes, yes. yes Tattoo was from Fantasy Island. <laughs> See, now you know. <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> The less you care. <laughs> <laughs> mm. At least we you come understand. to the. It <laughs> took long enough. Now we come to the uh, <laughs> the other passable match on the show. The 1 2 3 Kid versus Barry Horowitz. Future Survivor Series opponents. I would have believed you in 94. Because that's where we were headed. So Kid gets in his usual opening flurry. But well, Harwitz makes his comeback. His kid will, his kid is, um, very giving. Harwitz gets a lot of offense in here, including this great butterfly suplex. And it's funny that you mention, uh, Chris Candido in, in the preamble here because Harwitz hooks kid with the three quarter Nelson gets two off of it, but that might become a finish later.
2: Oh, noted.
3: Mm-hmm. So Harwitz is, a... Uh, Outresting kid, you're running next snap, because apparently this is Kurt Hennig moves night. After the imperfect plex earlier. Nice. Horowitz is, just, Horowitz is just dominating this match.
2: He gets a lot in, doesn't he? Like, I feel like they if, if, you If you watch this and assume they're trying to get behind Horowitz in
3: some way. But at the same time, kid can take moves from people, because he's the underdog anyway, so... If anyone's going to sell for an underneath guy, it might as well be kid. Especially since he can bump and he's willing to do so. So Kid comes back with two spinning heel kicks. Sean works in the phrase chin music, possibly for the first time ever. I'm what glad you it?
2: mentioned that because I thought, oh, little, little little reference there, chin music.
3: Mm-hmm. Sean actually got it from baseball, if you can believe it. Who said it in baseball? Well, according to his book, it was a pitcher, Roger Clemens, who Sean idolized. He's also a Texas guy. Through a very high pitch, almost almost hit a batter, you know, brush him off the plate, and and, and the commentator said like, oh my, "almost got a little chin music there," and and Sean and Sean liked I the way it real- sounded.
4: I didn't realize sweet chin music wasn't a thing yet.
3: Well, it's, it's funny because Sean did the super kick, but at this point, well, I mean, at, at at this point, it was his finish. It just wasn't called sweet chin music yet. It was just just a super kick. Okay. Mm. But for the longest time, Sean used the move as like a as like a setup move. It was not the finish. It was just something he would do mid match. It wasn't it wasn't the uh, game over move yet. He like he cycled through all these different moves, including a a fisherman suplex, the teardrop suplex, a pile driver. He couldn't settle on a finish. And if Finding Razor just tells him one time, just use the kick, it's your best looking move. And boom, it became his finish. It's like it's right there in front of your eyes the entire time. You're you're already doing it. Just make it the finish. Thank God for Razor, huh?
2: Yeah, I I re- I'm really glad that Razor piped in with that because the teardrop wasn't working for me. There was actually there was actually another finisher that he showcased
3: tonight.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: We'll, we'll get to it soon. What boy, boy, I know you used a sharpshooter once in ninety seven, it's not that, is it?
2: Not the sharpshooter. <laughs>
3: Same way, Kid gets the two spinning heel kicks, finishes Harvard's with a Mahistral cradle. Very nice one too.
2: Yeah, I liked it. And it that, was it was a, there was that super kick was a nice little finisher for Sean Waltman.
3: Yeah, I mean Waltman definitely had uh he he had the athletic ups, had had these great kicks in his arsenal. But then he just finishes with kind of a... it's kinda of weird how he does he, he kicks Harwitz in the face several times, which should be a knockout and then he finishes with basically you know a backwards small package kind of weird isn't it it's an odd one um i'm not against it though
4: same eh. i liked
3: it it's just kids showing off what he can do which is fine so then we so then we abandon all of the uh, all the good stuff and go on to something that is mm-hmm. truly hideous the promo for next week's episode of Raw. It's bad enough that we have Bob back when facing Dwayne the Clown in the one-on-one match, but this voiceover—I miss Todd Pettengill already. Because even when Todd had to do a bad read for something, like he would—he he would add a little bit of gravitas to it and make it sound like make it sound semi-palatable. Here we have his new co-host on, co-host on WF Mania, Stephanie Wyand, doing I the thought, voiceover.
2: I thought this, found, this sounded like Stephanie McMahon.
3: It may as well have been. Yeah, Stephanie Wyand had no product knowledge, by her own admission. She, she's not even sure why she was hired. She admitted this in, in Titan Sinking, and it's just she has... she she's literally just like reading words with no emotion. Bob Backlund versus Doink the Clown. And at the tone, the time will be 12 midnight. It's... And she informs us that this match is Mischief meets Madness because he love their alliteration.
4: They really do.
2: I like how they have this habit of making these matches. At least... The one thing that you can't fault with the New Generation Era Um is that they take these matches that are pretty crap and he will build them up to be so special and they'll make them and this is where it comes back to the whole idea of you know of of them pushing this this narrative that may sound like it's forced and i get that to an extent but something like this you know what if you've got backland versus doink on the show you may as well try and add a little bit of spice to it if that's some of the best stuff that you can offer at the moment and mm. uh, it's it's a tough it's a tough sell i don't know how i feel about doink versus ba- if it was if it was matt bourne versus bob backland oh, that'd be something that'd be special but we know it's not matt but, I mean,
3: bourne but you are right about how they take these matches that have almost no value and and they make them seem almost almost main event caliber like today dum 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 eric of the viking raiders Dum 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 dum, Riddick Moss. Dum 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 dum, it's absurd versus obscure. Dum 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 dum. Well, I'm watching. Next, Raw next
2: week. week, I don't know about you.
3: Why no one else does? <laughs> That's not nice. <laughs> I, 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 I saw the numbers. <laughs> so we we cut to this in-game ad for in show ad for the role of Video Game which I was very proud to own I've mentioned many times Sean is beating up the 123 kid and he busts up the mega move drop kick that knocks kid out of the ring that's his new finisher that's the finisher I was saying that he busts out <laughs> yeah why did Sean do that in an actual match
2: yeah like beautiful spinning gravity defying tornado kick i bet Cameron Grimes could do that he does that brilliant cross body in mid air i think Grimes could do that move
3: I bet Keith Lee could do it. Oh, Keith Lee can do anything, mate. You should have Keith Lee do the um, flying cannonball that Yoko did on the game that took everybody out in the rumble. Oh, oh,
2: oh can you imagine?
3: You'd never forget about <laughs> Keith then. No, <laughs> you wouldn't. Bask in his glory in this <laughs> hole in the canvas. <laughs> and Sean does vow to unveil, unveil the move live, but unfortunately he never does. Oh, Quang versus Scott Taylor. I feel like we're going in reverse order here.
1: <laughs>
2: it's not. No, this is how Raw is done, isn't it? They, they, they do this, where they start with flipping the, the the best barn burner they can offer. And then we, we just, the squibs get damper as the night goes on. This is how Raw works at the moment.
0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I think it's the
4: opposite.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like, I, your brain always tells you that the trick is to build to those big matches. So the main event could have been Bulldog versus Jarrett. And it's like, well, no, you're putting that on first, and then everything else is just kind of just... Ticking along rather than sort of big feeling matches.
3: Well, it was their way of thinking for many, many years. Going back to Saturday night's main event. I know I've mentioned this on the show before, but since, I'll just bring it up again. Saturday night's main event, would usually have about four or five matches. And the main event almost always went on like second, right around the midnight hour. That, yeah. Because the way the audience was would stagger through the night, people would be tuning out by 1 a.m. They'd be tired. So the match at 12.50 in the morning would be like... Uh, Boris Zoo Hall versus Coco Beware, while Hulk Hogan's defended the belt at like 11.55 p.m., they would stagger because they knew when the audience was going to tune out, there'd, there'd be a drop-off point. And Raw was basically um, staggered the same way. Put the big match on first at 9 o'clock, because that's when everybody tunes in. Just because, you know, new show coming on, new hour, let's see what's going on. And they figure, people are going to tune out anyway, no matter what you put on. Because it's just, you know, it's a school night or people have work in the morning. So 945, you know, you're putting on, you know, freaking Duke jersey versus just some local enhancement talent because who really cares? That's how they looked at it in those days. Mm. And it wasn't until the Monday Night Wars that they, that they started changing up the formula because we have, to, we have to hold our audience through the night because they're putting on Hogan versus Sting and Flair versus Savage on the same night or whatever. You know. We got to do better than the Bushwhackers versus Bum A and Bum B. (laughs) So, yeah, this Nitro forced her hand. And we'll start seeing that in about a year. So, Quang versus Taylor. most interesting part of this entire match, well, there's two interesting parts. One is the fan grabbing Quang's cape as he's making his entrance. If Savio had roundhouse, I might have been so happy. And then we go on this uh, incredible for 1994 bit where Sean talks about Heidi Fleiss. Heidi Fleiss was a Hollywood madam who was caught up in a prostitution scandal at this point. And they're bringing this up on kid-friendly WWF television. I was amazed. Yeah, I mean, I I realize it's, we're we're probably after 9.30 by now, so, but, I mean, I might have still been watching at that point in 94. I may may have vaguely heard of Heidi Fleiss through the news. I didn't know what she did. I I didn't have any concept of how that stuff worked when I was 11 years old. So it's a little surreal (laughs) to hear that. But it makes sense that the Sean Plainish sleazeball character is going to be uh, someone to bring that kind of thing up add a little edge to the show. But here to, here to dilute that edge is this feud between Howard Finkel and Harvey Whippleman. We have a split screen of Harvey bashing Howard during the match. As this company desperately wonders why they're not doing the audiences and the, that they're hoping for.
2: I know, it's baffling, isn't it? It's baffling.
3: Are you saying you're not excited for Harvey versus Howard?
2: uh oh. Why? This is the this is the longest running feud I think ever. They just they just keep pushing this out. We were talking about Harvey versus Howard at WrestleMania. That was in April. This is now like November, bleak midwinter, <laughs>
3: bleakest midwinter. It is the winter of our discontent. <laughs> so, so uh, Quang hits his corner spinning heel kick, which he falls out of the ring doing it, and, and hits the cameraman at one point. That was nice, at least.
2: I looked nice, actually. I did look nice.
3: Back in the ring, Quang with a standing axe kick, no spin and Rooney, unfortunately. Jack, T- we have a Jack Tunney decision incoming on the tag team titles that Sean <laughs> basically advocated at Survivor Series. And Jack Tunney, who has not been seen in months, oh, yeah, that, have that comes
2: for the end of the night, doesn't it? We we have a. We have a message from Tunny. I don't think it was from because I don't remember it being, I don't remember the, hearing the word furthermore.
3: I think I think they just made it up personally. I think Tunny's like incarcerated or something. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just covered in
2: I would like some more slop.
3: <laughs> furthermore, here's five cigarettes. <laughs> I would like a back rub now, please. Thank you. Yeah, Jack Tunney's like uh, one of the blues. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sky Taylor misses a crossbody. Quang kicks his head off. Fink announces Quang to Winner in a rather sour tone because he's mad at Harvey for humiliating him. I care about none of this.
2: I just don't get why well, this is what we're pushing. I just, I'm just
3: yeah. Sid, how do you feel about a? Uh, Harvey versus it, Howard.
4: It doesn't make any sense at all. I don't get it, and I don't understand why they're pushing it so hard. Because I just, I don't want to see it. Like, who wants to see Howard Finkel wrestle freaking Harvey Whippleman, the guy who dressed in a freaking woman's dress? I will never forget that.
3: Oh, you, you have no idea what's to come.
4: Oh dear.
3: Tom, wait till January.
4: Well, now Maybe, I have to
3: be on. <laughs> I don't know. This is a, this is sort of a put women and children to bed kind of situation here. Oh boy! Because it is a gimmick match that these two have, it, and it, it's not a visually pleasant one either. I'm scared. We'll, we'll, we'll get there when we get there. Unfortunately, Tom. We may need to bring John on for that one. Uh, I, I was hoping you'd say that.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> as, as, as a reminder to John, that could always be worse.
2: I think, yeah, I think I this. think sometimes we all need a little halcyon reminder that, you know what, the world is not... It could be a lot worse. And I think making John watch that will, will make you feel a lot better. We haven't really utilized John this week, so I'd like to uh, publicly ask John to Photoshop a dragon. <laughs>
3: You and your dragon. Just
2: any way you like. Because I'm very aware that this week, it's a bit of a fallow week for John Eyley, our Photoshop king. But uh, just a dragon any way you like, mate. That'd be nice.
4: I, I say I say, have uh, Tom's dragon and then Photoshop a uh, husky in there for me.
2: Ah, oh, there you go. A dragon and a husky. <laughs> Justin, any more?
3: Uh, now I'm sure we'll come up with something as we go along here, because... This next bit I'm looking at right here, I have a Photoshop idea just based on what I wrote. Oh, okie-kokie. Okay, okay. So we have a plug for Action Zone. Now, we had the plug for Roll, which was Doink versus Backlund. Is Roll not the A-show, Tom?
2: It should be, yes.
3: What, do you want to know what Action Zone's getting? <laughs> Go on, then. They're getting Owen Hart versus Lex Luger. Oh, uh, What? Not not just any Lex Luger, because Todd informs us that while Owen is the King of hearts, Lex Luger is, and I'm quoting here the King of pain <laughs> that is the laziest nickname for him
2: the laziest nickname
3: that's what you call yourself when you're playing street fighter in the backyard. I'm the king of pain <laughs> <child> <laughs> <laughs> like like I'm the death devil. <laughs> And Luger, in his promo, promises to make Owen into the Queen of Hearts. He's going to rip his schwans off during this match. <laughs> Tune in Sunday at noon to see <laughs> Owen Hart get this member.
2: Uh, <laughs> I, I think Action Zones... Uh, if I if I had to have either Doink and Owen or Luger and... Uh, sorry, Doink and Backland
3: or Luger and Owen, <laughs> I would rather the latter than the former. <laughs> oh. Sackle's going to sell us on that match later, so don't worry.
2: The Queen of Hearts comment yeah. though, doesn't age well, does it?
3: No, it does not.
2: Really? Look, it's... Luger saying, I'm going to make you the Queen. It does not age well.
3: You couldn't make that insult today.
2: Mm.
1: <laughs>
3: you, really, you really could not. And here to pick the show back up is Jerry Lullaby King's court, because he has a special guest, which has been teased all night. We don't know who this guest is going to be. It's going to be his greatest guest ever. I'm hoping it was Lou G and Frieda from that Bob Backlund bit. <laughs> but it is not. It is indeed Shawn Michaels. But before we get to that, I gotta say, Lawler did have one really good insult to the audience. Talking about some some, shall we say, rotund woman of the crowd who who um enjoys soap operas, like one life to live just this her show should be one life to eat. Alright, that was pretty funny, actually. Come on, that was <laughs> I like that. come some slack here. <laughs> because, yes, it's uh, <laughs> gets a good one once in a while.
4: Speaking Here's of silence. stuff, you, speaking of stuff you can't say anymore.
3: <laughs> uh, yes, <It's> Jerry Lola.
4: <laughs> here he is.
3: Uh, well, he gonna say? Ramen noodle, moon salt, at least. So, talks about how Sean was Diesel's guiding light. Sean feigns modesty in a way that only Sean can. Mm-hmm. He makes some bad jokes about how dumb Diesel is. Now, we'll going back to the uh, C material here. Sean no. talks about how he plucked Diesel from obscurity. Or WCW, same thing. He makes it clear that he made Diesel a champion. While somebody in the crowd holds up a diesel is the true champion sign on perforated computer paper. Because this is 1994.
2: Now, I love the effort of that. Like, you know, that would have taken ages to get...
3: Printed off and sorted. Yeah, 15 minutes to print while you're playing jazz Ball.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, keep yourself chip- ticking over <laughs> with Minesweeper.
3: <laughs> Chips challenge.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> we cut to a dad in the front row chaining Diesel along with his kid. That guy is awesome. He was into it. And Sean vows to disassemble Diesel because he built him and by God, he can break him down. This was a great promo from Sean.
2: Shawn Michaels is the saving grace of the new generation era. And it's just one of those things oh. where you look at the, you look, it, it, it's almost like the the Randy Savage problem in the sense that you look at the roster and you go, here is a guy that you should just, just put the world, put the world into. And they do eventually, but it takes them a while.
3: Sean yeah. is just so reliable at this point. Mm. For all, he may have been an asshole. He may have been an egomaniac, he may have played politics, but this was a man who deserved every good thing he got in wrestling, just for how great he was.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Sid, are you a fan of Sean at this point?
4: Uh, at this point, yes. Uh, he's very, he's very entertaining on commentary. His promos are fantastic, and he's a very fantastic wrestler. So, he's had some falters during the night, but obviously, everyone has falters. I think he's, he should have had the the strap put to him and shot off into the stratosphere, but that's just me. So you make it sound
2: almost <laughs> malicious. Strap him in,
4: <laughs> blast that him into the malicious. stratosphere. I, I'm saying it's push. <laughs> I'm going straight to the moon. John, uh, Shawn Michaels strapped to a rocket. Thank you.
3: Actually... Sean, I, I want Thomas Ralph Cramden to the moon, Sydney. <laughs>
2: I was being Cameron Grimes, but I guess I'll be Ralph Cramden as well. <laughs> <laughs> well
3: you're more Ralph Cramden-ish. Vince McMahon will love Cameron Grimes when he sees him. Well, he would love Ralph Cramden more because he gets that.
2: No, I know, but I think if, if if Vince heard Cameron Grimes saying, I'm going straight to the moon, Vince is like, I love it. Modern comedy.
3: Let's make him a spaceman. make him a spaceman. <laughs> no,
2: Vince, no. Don't make him a spaceman.
3: Oh, just you wait. <laughs> oh, no. We were doing so well. But, but on a serious <laughs> topic, on a serious topic, a discussion of Sean's promo and just how great he is, someone brought up recently how when Hall and Nash went to WCW in 96, they had took this redneck company. They came into there, and they came off like the... Like, like, the coolest, most pop culture savvy guys in the world, and how it was, it was like a paradigm shift in that sense also, because you know here's the NASCAR, country music, of pro wrestling, and here's two guys who are savvy, who are cool, who are, and, and who openly get that across. And here you have your click buddy Shawn Michaels, who is by God the most fresh thing on this entire show, on a show where Jarrett's wearing tinsel, on a show where you have. Puerto Rican guys playing ninjas on a show where, well, you'll see this next match. You have Harvey feuding with Howard Finkel. You're plugging Backlund versus Doink. And here is Sean just so far above the din. And without even trying, he makes that clear. It's like, you need Sean on the show every week just to clean out the stink. To clean out the musk. (laughs) If you've got an opinion, come out and say it. Don't, don't, Don't hold back. I'm... You can't hold it back anymore. I'm going to say it, Tom. Sean's great. Everybody else sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it is,
2: do you know what? I can't, I can't fault you on that. There is a chasm between mm-hmm. Sean and other people. If there was a tier list of the new generation era, you've got Sean in, in lovely, 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 and everybody else in mm-hmm. the bin.
3: Yes. Everyone's like at the bottom of the cliff, Sean, just hanging, hang, just hanging out up there having a capri <laughs> It will, be, it will become very painfully evident during the 95 Rumble match, that distance that we've just discussed. And speaking of, um, of NASCAR or something vaguely close to it, we have Bob Holly race footage from the Snowball Derby that we talked about last week. Vince, we don't actually see anything other than just like B-roll, but Vince tells us, well, Bob hit the wall, but he's okay and he'll be back next season.
2: Yeah, they were, I've been just really casual about the fact that Bob Oli had a car crash.
3: <laughs> well, it's almost like when men got hanged at Mania 15, and Cole was sad for all five seconds. Well, coming up next, ladies and gentlemen, while Ballsman still hanging there, <laughs> the man is still hanging. Well, we've got to crack on with the main event. The World Wrestling Federation, where one can't grieve forever. <laughs> Bob wouldn't wanted the show to go on, even though he's alive.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't.
3: <laughs> he would. D- ignore him.
2: No, I want you to stop
3: the show. No. <laughs> Take a week off, Jesus Christ. And Bob wants to put go on, on with Howard versus Harvey. I want
2: to put. I want it put on record here that that obviously I'm dying at 36, which is now. So any minute now I'm I'm away. Um. Don't. <laughs> when I die. I want, I want a day of mourning. I want everything to stop. So, if you carry on working, saying it's what Tom would have wanted, I am categorically saying now, no, it is not what I want. Mm.
3: There
2: is, there is evidence of me saying that.
3: Are you saying that if you die, I don't, I don't have to do anything?
2: You don't have to do anything for a whole day, mate.
3: That sounds fair.
2: There you go. You're welcome. Okay. Sid, you, I want, Sid, I want you to mourn as well. I want you to mourn my passing.
4: Absolutely. If I it ends to, up being a day where I have classes. I won't go.
2: I want you to do, Thank you. And I want you to, to cry lots.
4: Do, I will cry so much.
2: Thanks.
3: Dude, I, Appreciate dude, it. Dude, I can't fake it.
2: No, you have to, mate. Fake it. I don't care. <laughs> My, I want everyone to feel Justin, sad.
4: Learn from a celebrity.
2: Yeah, exactly. Sydney's a famous person in America. If you just say Sydney, I know anywhere.
4: how to fake
2: cry. Yeah, exactly. She knows how to do a massive fake cry. She did it on all those celebrity <laughs> uh, fun reels, funerals, as they sometimes call them.
1: Fun reels? <laughs>
2: They go cool funerals because they're fun and real.
3: This is, that's not how, you spell, that's not how you spell it. Fun and real. Well, you're unreal. It is in my you're house. F unreal.
2: Unreal tournament.
3: Speaking of speaking of, un- I've been away for speaking twelve hours un- now. Can you tell? I certainly can. <laughs> Sp- speaking of speaking of unreal, this next bit, this encapsulates in a nutshell, what this era was all about. We we have poor Lord Alfred Hayes, who is still employed here. I bet you didn't know that. <laughs> poor Lord Alfred narrating a promo for the 100th episode of WWF Mania. No 100th No 100th Raw ad episode of Raw, uh, well, I, I guess not because we're not, we're not at quite at 100 yet. But it's such an embarrassing ad involving pies to the face and Todd being goofy and you have Lord Alfred doing his masterpiece theater diction for it. Now, while the pie throw at the, at the end was nice, this is just, who is your audience? You go from Heidi Fleiss earlier to this. Who are you marketing to?
4: everyone, Justin.
3: I guess we're gonna... I guess it does, you know, um, transcend bounds and generations and races Look, and creeds and colors it's and it's genders. The
4: original demo, God.
3: Yeah, here's the demo, Claude. Because what demo is watching this? They're all watching football. And then we
1: get...
3: <laughs> 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 I'm sorry, I just... I just thought of the visual for this and I just started laughing. It's, we have a promo video for Hakushi.
2: Oh, this is awful. <laughs>
3: you need Everything a tissue? about this finishes off Hakushi <laughs> before he's even walked through the door. Okay, so... Jinzei Shinzaki's coming in to play Hakushi. Hakushi is going to be a dynamic character. Well, wrestler more than character. just a great high flyer. He does stuff that nobody on this roster does, not even the 1-2-3-kid. He's going to be fantastic. Of course, they screw it up, but he's, he's going to look great. His character is like this mysterious sort of silent monk type who dresses like Raiden from Mortal Kombat, which is very big at the time. And um, to hype his debut, they show this generic shot of a bright, sunny day with some clouds in the sky, blue skies. And all of a sudden, the clouds start turning threatening. Sky turns dark, clouds turn stormy, and the words Hakushi appear on the screen. Word Hakushi appears on the screen, and that's it. This this was the second Mister Plow ad. <laughs> Dad, was that your commercial? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I get a
1: Simpsons reference.
4: Yay,
3: we have a breakthrough.
1: <laughs>
2: wow. But Shawn Shawn Michaels, just... Michaels here. Shawn Michaels here.
3: Uh, but, 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 you first, need but, to finish first, you first John I want Hakushi marveling at how bad that ad was <laughs> Hakushi was that your was that your debut vignette I don't know <laughs>
2: followed by a snow globe smashed with the words Hakushi in it <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> but then but then Hakushi seems Henry Godwin on Forbidding Widow's Peak <laughs> <laughs> Or Mabel, whichever. Because <laughs> Plow King Mabel. Oh,
1: <laughs> oh God.
3: <laughs>
1: Good grief.
3: We have accidentally made the show more entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> Abs- Absent mindedly. Sort of out of body experience, but that's how it works. So, yes, uh, you're saying something about Sean. Sean. Sure. Leave <laughs> it to Sid.
2: Sid, what did Shawn Michaels do here?
4: Sean Sean just kept on saying, like, oh, Vince, do you need a tissue? It's like, what? Do you need a tissue? He goes, we got the debut of Hakushi. God bless you.
3: Which Bill Alfonso later stole for ECW.
2: <laughs>
4: just Trump appreciate- all over
2: his debut.
4: <laughs> you just well, made that- him into a joke immediately, just yeah. because his name sounds like a sneeze.
3: <laughs> well, after, after that debut vignette, how could you
2: not? The debut vignette was crap. But then Sean saying, bless you. Just, oh, just buries the guy before he's even walked through the door.
3: Sean Sean is the kid at the back of the class who's just not having any of this. Yeah.
2: (laughs) He's really not,
3: is he? (laughs) And and, and you know what? I can't blame him.
2: Yeah, I get it. I get it. Like, Sean Sean is us watching this. But I think it's almost... And I get it that he's real. And he's he's one that's pointed out, Vince, this is all crap, mate. That's basically what he's doing tonight. <laughs> Vince, this is
3: all crap. Shaman. <laughs> Boy, you don't need that on the show. Shaman's the original voice of the voiceless. <laughs> he was dropping pipe bombs consistently
2: on Monday Night Raw in 1994.
3: <laughs> <sighs> and this next match, well, this, match, this next match could use a... Uh, a little bit of detonation to it. Well done versus the bushwhackers. Oh. <laughs> Alright, Gabo.
1: <laughs>
3: this next might match wanna. might have been the <laughs> Now, I wanna say I've seen worse. But I don't know if I actually have. Hmm. Should I just read my notes for beta? So we can speed through this? I would love you to read your notes, sir. Yes. Okay. If at any point you want to comment on something that I have said, by all means. This is my entire stream of consciousness thoughts for this match. Harvey abuses Howard again. Yep, it's 1994 and our are building to Harvey versus Howard. Whackers are still over, at least. Comedy double clothesline spot. Luke is face in peril already. You got to see Stephen Dunn's backbreaker. Oh yes, that I got to comment on. Stephen Dunn gave Luke a backbreaker. That was was mildly just a put down and drop. <laughs> I don't know what happened there, but it, it was not a backbreaker in the academic sense. Continuing. Tournament for the belts. Hopefully these two teams aren't in it. Vince talked uninterrupted for at least 90 seconds. Sean Berry's well-done outfits as he should. To bring songs over singles. Wells' lightning leg light drops are great. They were Timothy. Well can do a great leg drop. Sean plugs Tom Hanks big. I'm glad that sentence ended there. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: John, don't draw anything ever. John, to that.
2: never Photoshop that ever.
3: I will never want to lie back on. <laughs> <laughs> Wells spamming the leg drops. <laughs> leg drop city. <laughs> Ugly clothesline from Luke. Butch gets lukewarm tag and goes ape. Well, eats the ram. John, don't draw that. <laughs> <laughs> Harvey trips Butch and Dun wins with a knee to the back. Finkel tries stooging off the heels to no avail. We go to break during Harvey Howard's stare down. And that's all you need to know.
2: That is, uh, I mean, the one bit that we that we should probably mention a little bit more on is um, Jack Tunney's d- declaration regarding the tag team titles that came during this match.
3: Tunney says, "I'm not going to rule I'm, I'm not going to rule the thing. I'm just going to watch Raw. Then this match comes on. All right, let me get on the phone and get out of the room for a few minutes. <laughs> I wouldn't blame him." This match was awful.
2: Um, we're getting uh, a tag team title tournament. And yes, I, for the life of me, can't look forward to this tournament at all, because I, I thought I thought, what tag teams are there available to do a full on <laughs> tournament and Bushwhackers are should well th- done.
3: So should, th- should I tell you who the teams were?
2: Yeah, because I've, I've written down Bushwhack is well done, Head Shrinkers, and a combo of the Million Dollar Corporation. But go on, give us who we've got.
3: Okay, well, you may have missed a few teams here because. Well, you missed the Smoking Guns, although they're not in it because I think one of them was hurt at the time. Mm-hmm. That would have been a decent team to have. All right, here are your teams Bam Bam Bigelow and Tatanka. Man on a mission. Yes, mm-hmm. Mo is back now. The Head Shrinkers of Fatou and Sione. Owen Hart and Jim Neidhart. (laughs)
1: The
3: the Heavenly Bodies. The Bushwhackers. 123 Kid and Bob Holly. And well done.
2: There you go. That's not as bad as I thought it would be. Um, But it's certainly... At least there is something that... I'm desperately trying to defend this. Um, There is a division. (laughs)
3: Yes. (laughs)
4: I can't defend it because men on a mission's
3: in it. Oh, that's true. Um, You will show more respect.
4: It's my (laughs) gimmick, dude.
3: Okay, fine. It's, uh, yeah. This isn't quite the Bulldogs and the Hearts and the Rockers, is it? No. Tag Team Wrestling has hit a strong Nadir. It's, (laughs) uh, needs more Butcher and the Blade and the Dark Order. Hey! Dude, Vince would have loved The Butcher in 94.
2: He would have, done, wouldn't he? Him. Oh, God, he would have made him champion, wouldn't he? He'd gone, oh, great, a budget Stan Hansen.
3: Get in.
4: And then he would have well, ruined it.
3: Of course. But a Stan Hansen from a metal band.
1: <laughs>
3: Can you picture Stan Hansen in Pantera? Wouldn't that be great? If only there was somebody John? that could bring that image to life.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> John? I want Stan Hansen to Phil Anselmo. No. <laughs> Tom and
4: I thinking the same thing.
1: <laughs> what do you say, you yellow belly? rings. <laughs>
3: This is a mouthful of chew at the back of a second, a second walk. <laughs> Actually, that'd, that'd be awesome. Uh, if John, don't anyway. don't
2: make the song though, because I don't want you getting a warning from Twitter again, like you did for our Adele cover. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Hans terror <Hans-Taro. laughs> So after that barn burner of a match, and we go to. Sean interviewing Bob Backlund at the end of the show. This almost redeemed the entire broadcast. Because poor Backlund has to plug his match with Doink. He tells us that it's going to be a real axiom. Yes, he said axiom for some reason. Because Backlund never liked clowns. And Sean keeps going, yeah! After every sentence, just trying to ham this up.
4: He's the hype man.
3: <laughs> exactly. Sean's like Leo Rush. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny, if you want to do Bob Backlund and Sean as Bobby Lashley and Leah Rush, then you do you <laughs> Well, if Lashley had Backlund's gimmick he'd be even more interesting, I think <laughs> Backlund vows to exterminate because he hates clowns Boy, this has got dark It really did, didn't it? He's going to bring our morality up to God's level. He's going to kill Doink to get us there. <laughs> this was accidentally a great promo. It was good. It was good.
2: I I'm still I still don't want to see Doink versus Backland, <laughs> but the uh, promo was good. Even
3: after that promo, you don't want to see it? <laughs> <laughs> so that's how the show goes off the air.
2: And that is how we end Monday Night Raw for this week. It was. Uh, it's. It's. This is the beginning of of the the downward spiral now, isn't it?
3: Uh, we're well into that. We're 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 into the nosedive. The controls were jammed. <laughs> we we're so, just hoping we for like so a, nice, a, a, a nice soft cornfield to land in. That's our only hope.
2: The thing is, as well, is that this has been such a, a, a middle of the road episode of uh, Raw that. Uh, Stromowitz
3: doesn't even have a song for it. No, he's. I said, "Hey, you got anything?" And he, when he watch the show, and he's like, "No." <laughs>
4: he's like, "I've really got nothing. I've tried everything." <laughs> so,
2: <laughs> so we we, we put uh, Stromowitz in the field. He's having a fallow week. So he's, yeah. he's growing new crops <laughs> f- for the next one.
3: Yes, hopefully he can use back on and try to conjure something up. In Although fact, no you
4: know, he'll be able to.
2: In fact, Sydney, do you want to sing a song about this episode of Raw? Oh, dear, no. Thought I'd ask. (laughs) Uh, In fact, uh, we are taking a fallow week in general. So you're hearing this uh, on the 8th of August. And then we're changing the schedule a little bit in terms of when we record the podcast. So therefore, we're missing next week and we're back the week after. So we're having a fallow week too. So... Don't miss us too much while we're away. We'll be back with Strummerwitz. And do you know what? What's really exciting is we are now less than less than like f- less than fifteen weeks away from our one hundredth episode. Hundredth mm. episode yeah. coming up before the end of the year. Is that right?
3: September. I almost can't believe it.
2: I know a hundred weeks of, the, of hanging out with you, Justin. Has it been lovely? Well, it's
3: it's more than eighty-three weeks, isn't it?
2: Yeah, that's longer than Bischoff's run on the top.
3: I think we are ahead of it now, officially. <laughs> mm. all, all, all the Bischoff was great on Dynamite this week.
2: Oh, wasn't he just? Really loved him on
1: Dynamite.
3: I haven't liked you for 22 years. It's been 24 and I know exactly how you feel. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, we can't talk about that
2: because that's not why we're here. We have to stay... In the, in the doldrums of 1994. But thankfully, oh, we are done fine. for the time being. We'll be back <laughs> in two weeks' time. I'd like to thank Sydney Zumowitz
4: for joining us on the show today. Thank you for having me. My birthday's next week. Well, a happy
2: right. flipping birthday for next week to you.
4: Yep, I turned 21.
3: Oh, what an age. My, our gift to you is going to be putting your name in the clouds as they turn threatening.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Happy birthday
2: to Zumowitz. Bless you. <laughs> so happy birthday to sydney zomowitz who is now just as old as one of my kidney stones and justin henry <laughs> uh, have you got a birth <laughs> you got a birthday next week
3: not for three more months no Oh, well, never mind <laughs>
2: we'll set up we'll party like it's your birthday we'll sit I'm for on the
3: clouds anyway mister <laughs> <laughs>
2: Until then, if you can't look up to the cloud, she is at S.A. Zoomer 4 on Twitter. Is that right? Yep,
4: that's right. Get in.
2: He is at J.R.H. triting on Twitter. I'm at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Together, we are at Cultaholic on Twitter. Don't forget to join us. <gasps> Write something offensive in the clouds. I
1: love you. Bye. Hey, I'm ready. Oh. All right, <laughs> foot back begins with a U. It ends with